I know that many of you will have volunteered or perhaps been involved with Neighbourhood Watch. For those of you who haven't, well, we're going to be learning a thing or two about, about what it all entails. Somebody said to me this morning, actually, when I said I was going to do this, they said, are those those people who, who look behind their curtains yeah. and so on uh, and they're taking photographs of you when you're not looking? Well... Whether that's true or not, we'll find out. And and to join me uh, and help me understand all, all of this, I've got I've got Alison, uh, who is the resilient community coordinator based at Madeira Police Station. That's right, Alison. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and I've also got uh, Tom Stern. Now, Tom actually uh, is involved with running a, a group over in Little Down and Eiford, and I think also trying to break in uh, to Christchurch. And then to keep us all in line, we've got officialdom. Oh, yes. We have got the Police and Crime Commissioner, newly elected Police and Crime Commissioner for Dorset, uh, uh, David Sidwick with us as well. Good morning to you, David. Good morning. Yeah, and I know you haven't got a microphone there, Tom, but he's waving and saying hello to you all there. (laughs) Anyway, Alison, let's let's start with you. Um, In terms of of your involvement with with all things policing and so on and Neighbourhood Watch, what was that journey like for you? Well, um, to be fair, I haven't been with Dorset Police very long, about two and a half years. Um, Were you with another force or...? No, I was self-employed for 28 years. I moved from Oxford. Um, so I started as a support officer within the police and progressed to now become resilient communities coordinator, which means that I look after all things watch within the BCP area. I've got an opposite number, Matt Ailiff, who looks after Dorset. Dorset side of it, yes. Yeah. Now, I love the title, resilient. Are you are you resilient person? I think it basically means that um, resilient in terms of looking after the community. So it's um, with the neighbourhood watch and Dorset Police. It's very much a uh, it's very much a partnership, um, and we work very closely together to um, get the community more involved with looking after the community. It's the the, the curtain, curtain twitching thing is very much a 70s thing and it's not so much about looking after property anymore. It's more about looking after each other um, and um, that kind of principle rather than things. And I guess that that's been all the more important through these two years of COVID where the, particularly with people being isolated in their homes and so on, Big, big challenges there. Indeed. And I think COVID made people realise that community is important and looking after each other is important. Um, From the very beginning when people were doing shopping for each other and taking the bins out for each other. Um, And I think coming out of the COVID journey has actually proved quite valuable to the watch uh, schemes because more people are aware that we do need to look out for for each other. Well, tell us a wee bit about what Neighbourhood Watch actually is. You know, you've already said that in the seventies was a bit of curtain twitching and all of that sort of thing. Not at all like that, like that now. And was no. it really curtain twisting way back then? Um, I think way back when it, it started for different reasons. I think now it's all about the community helping the community. So the police are never going to be the same as they were in the 70s. You know, you're not going to see panda cars everywhere and you're not going to see bobbies on the beat all the time. So it's a question of the community actually helping the police, providing intelligence, which so the police can actually put a picture together and um, and, and work on it that way. Um, we've There have been a number of watches that have made a, a huge difference to to problem areas, drug dealing, 
all that kind of stuff. That, that's basically what Watch is all about. Mm. It's not about spying on each other. It's all about looking after each other. And when, when you think about safer communities, I mean, I, th- I think of safeguarding, you know, and uh, uh, one of the joys of my life is sitting on fostering panel, you know, and uh, and we use the safeguarding word, you know, all the time. And, of course, there we talk about it, safeguarding being everybody's responsibility. Mm. Do you think that, that, that uh, police and crime and community safety is, in fact, everybody's responsibility whether they realize it or not yes it is that's the thing it 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 is all about community and it is not just about neighborhood watch we've got there's loads of watches there's hotel watches which is definitely about safeguarding and cse looking out for child sex child sexual exploitation all that kind of stuff yes it is and i don't think the community should ever underestimate how important they are to each other and how important it is to the police that these kind of things get reported. I mean, obviously, one of the things that COVID has done, one of the positive things over these last two years is is to bring forward literally thousands of volunteers. I mean, I know certainly just if you just talk in terms of, of Bourne Pool and Christchurch, there have been over 3,000 people who have volunteered in one form or another to do all sorts of, of very important roles from, you know, calling on people who are lonely, checking neighbours and so on, delivering food and all manner of things, even when we go for our vaccinations, they're wearing the yellow jackets and, 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 and assisting. Has that, that environment, that, that change of, of upfront people helping each other, has that had a positive impact on, on neighbourhood watches? Um, I, I've been enrolled now for about one and a half years in this particular role, and I would say that there is definitely an upsurge in the number of people who want to start watch schemes. Um, Dorset Police um, are very, very happy to handhold any new schemes um, with literature, with going around doing pop-ups so that we can get more of the community involved in new watch schemes. Um, so, yes, I would say definitely. Well, I'm pleased now to, uh, to welcome to the studio uh, Tim, who now is on the end of a microphone. Uh, Tim, welcome. And, Good morning, and thank you. Uh, now, tell us a wee bit about how you got involved with, well, Watch, of course, because obviously I've been referring to Neighbourhood Watch, and one of the things that we were talking about off-air just a moment or two ago, ago was that in the 70s and so on, when Neighbourhood Watch started, and the national movement is Neighbourhood Watch, but actually locally you prefer to use the term uh, watch. I think I think it has a softer, it comes across as a softer image. Neighbourhood Watch was, was all well and good when it started up and of course it moved across the Atlantic from America where it started up. But it does have this old fashioned image. Um, watch, and com- watch and community watch uh, are the way we like to look at it now. Um, and, and that is what we're trying to do, in- encourage groups of people to form little pods of I don't know, neighbours, so they can look after each other, watch the house while you're away on holiday, just simple little things like that. How did you come to, to, to get involved locally? Well, I moved to Bournemouth, I think, in 2009, uh, and a neighbour of mine who was a councillor knew that I happened. I used to be in the Metropolitan Police years ago, so I had a background in, in policing and uh, youth work and in, any number of things. And he said to me, Tim, why don't you start a neighbour watch-up? So I, I heard of these things, and I explored it. I went to the police. They sent me an information pack. I read through it all, and I sent out a, a little leaflet to 24 houses in the road that I live, the first 24, and 22 of them responded and said, yeah, great idea. So then I felt guilty that I hadn't done the bottom half of the road, so I did that. 
Then it just went on, and I felt guilty that I hadn't done the road next door. <laughs> anyway, I've now got about 750 houses that we hand deliver leaflets and information to and try to keep them around Little Down and Iford, try to keep them in the loop with regard to what's happening locally. So what sort of information are you sharing? I mean, for example, is it like, you know, if somebody had a burglary, for example, that you're able to share now, watch out for whatever information you have to hand? Yeah, we can do that. And in the, in the, in the past, and the police are becoming much better now. Um, before, when they were short-staffed and they had any number of sort of problems to deal with, they didn't have that much time to get involved with the community. Uh, but thankfully, with the likes of Alison and David, who's been elected as the PCC now, we're moving forward and we're reconnecting with the community, which is important because the police need the public and the public need the police. It's a, it's a two-person marriage. As you look back on your experience, I'm talking about your experience now with the watch. Right. Um, what is the thing that, that, that steps out in your mind? You know, if we hadn't have done that, if we, did, if we hadn't had this group, this would have happened. You know, uh, is there anything that, that you can think of? Well, actually, you know, the value is pretty evident because of this. I think around three or four years ago, there was a spate of lead thefts going on in Little Down. And they happened at night. And someone was going around peeling the lead off the top of people's porches. So a neighbour three doors down came to me and said, Tim, somebody just, you won't believe it, somebody just nicked a lead off my roof. So I went, had a look, and then somebody else rang me and said, oh, the next door neighbour said, so I said, look, what I so I walked around a little down and I walked up and down all the streets and I knocked on everyone's door that had lead on that porch and I told them either to paint it a different colour or change it. And those that had had it stolen, I knocked on the door and broke the bad news to them. So neighbours were sort of, they're responding to me. They know there's someone, if they can't get the police, then they can contact me. You know, my, my door's always open. They've got my email. I always respond. I'll always, they've only got to contact me and I will do whatever I can to help them. And I'm trying to instill that into other people. One of the things about the watch, that we're now calling it, is that what puts people off being part of it is they see it as, um, I don't know, cumbersome and, and they're going to get lumbered with something that they don't really want to do. What we're trying to do is highlight the fact that it's, it's informal. You just need someone who's a coordinator who's going to receive messages about local incidents that can then dispense it to the people within their group. So we don't, we don't need to be super, super official. It, it could be as small as you know, four homes, six homes, eight homes. It doesn't need to be a great big thing, that, like the thing that I'm doing down a little down. But that just grew because I just became a little bit over enthusiastic. And so there you go. <laughs> I mean, when I when I was a boy in, in in Northern Ireland, you know, my my particularly my grandmother had a little terraced house, you know, and uh, and there was a real sense of of community. You know, you nobody locked their doors. You know, you you'd be in out for the sugar and the butter and whatever else they may have had in their larder, you know, and whatever. Now, of course, society's moved quite a bit and, and I guess that the, the, the fear of, of, of being burgled the fear of, 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 of some form of intrusion you know into your home that was that's big isn't it and particularly with those who are living on their own and more more isolated have you have you noticed that people are comforted by the fact that actually their neighbours are watching out for them and that they're not actually alone I think, yes, they are comforted. It's, it's, it's trying to get people to just be nice to each other. You know, don't be afraid of your neighbour. Don't not talk to them. You don't want to, they don't want to hear your whole life story, but they just want to know that you're there should they need you. I mean, simple little things like our next-door neighbour, the dog keeps escaping, but they know that 
we're going to be there and we're going to hear the dog out on the road, so we go and bring yeah. it back in. And little things, people do watch out for each other. They watch out for, for vehicles. I mean, there's a lot of vehicle theft going on at the moment, especially down in Bournemouth. Um, it's, trying, it's creating an awareness. I mean, you can do that with the help of the police. Police have little pamphlets and leaflets about, you know, keep your vehicle safe, don't leave valuables in there. We give those out all the time. But whether people read them or not is entirely up to them. But we're trying to encourage them to respond and just... We're not being nosy. We're trying to be helpful. So it's trying to get away from that. But there's a recent good example of that, talking about dogs, you know. Have you heard of Paddington? I have. So Paddington's been found. Uh, but I, I actually heard about Paddington because uh, people in my family actually wrote to me and said, have you heard about Paddington? Because he'd, he'd been lost. I think the, the, the owners had been away. And, and he'd, he'd run off. And the funny thing is that we actually had a, a dog in our own family who equally ran off, you know, a pup, and they, they remembered the stress and whatever. So they said, could you mention it on the radio, you know? Uh, but then when I went on the website, I was amazed there were literally thousands and thousands of people all over the BCP area who were their eyes and the ears watching for Paddington, you know? And, and I thought that was an amazing example of how, uh, you know, together uh, a big difference, because obviously the loss of the, of, the, of the dog was causing real angst to the people who, who owned it. And when it was on the news, as it was yesterday, in pictures of Paddington, of course, everybody's got that, wow, you know. Yeah, they do. They, that, that community spirit is there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of semi-dormant. And what we're trying to do is just awaken it and just say, look, it's, it's nice to be nice to your neighbour. It's nice to say good morning and, you know, if ever you need me, I'm here. And the people across the street and just and wave. I lived in America for years and I would walk down the road and people would come past you in the car. Everyone would wave. Your neighbours would wave. It's a different way of thing. And this isn't America, I know. It's great. Oh, we're British, you know. I have to be introduced. Well, we are, but it's, it's nice to be a little bit... American in that way. It's nice to wave to your neighbour and nice to make someone smile, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Well, we're very fortunate to have really good neighbours. You know, I live in, in, in Christchurch and it does make it does make a huge difference doing things together. But but again, that's another, I guess, a big plus that we should mention, isn't it? And and it's about quite apart from keeping the neighbourhood safe and watching out for each other, just getting to know people. You, yeah. Have you have you found that all of those people that you've now had contact with ever the ever increasing number? I mean. I bet you they know a lot more about you and you about them than right at the beginning of all of this. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, when I first moved into the neighbourhood, um, I, I, I was a stranger when I started the neighbourhood watch. People started to come forward with ideas and suggestions and, and problems and stuff like that. Bournemouth Football Club were kind enough to let me have one of their banqueting suites at the top of the stadium and we had meetings there uh, where the police would come down. We'd have a road show. We had the traffic police down there. Uh, any number of things, you know, the the, the, the fraud people, all the, the things that the thing is to highlight the things that are concerns to people. People often think things like fraud and and that kind of the scamming things. It won't affect us. It it does. These people are just out there waiting to pounce, and it's getting people to recognise that fact and just pay a little bit more attention. That's that's what we're there to do. Just to sow little seed and hopefully help it grow. Well, one person who would be delighted that you are here and that you're doing what you're doing is Dorset's newly elected police commissioner, David Sidwick, who happens to be in the studio with you. Now, David, you have been eavesdropping on the conversation from Alison uh, uh, and from Tim. It's important, isn't it? 
it's very important. It's one of the key things I said when I came into office was I wanted to strengthen the watches um, because I see it as strengthening communities. Uh, there's, there's a number of things, actually, which, which both Alison and Tim have referred to. Um, one is the effectiveness of watches. There was actually an academic study which looked at what makes a difference in cutting crime. And it looked at things like street lighting, it looked at things like CCTV, it looked at things like um, Neighbourhood Watch. And Neighbourhood Watch was shown to reduce crime on average by about 26%. So a well-run, well-connected community with a great Neighbourhood Watch can actually see the effects. And I think there's, there's, there's two sorts of areas. I mean, I went and opened a watch fairly recently and they'd actually been going for some time and what the association of dorset watches had asked of me was would i fund some signs very bright yellow signs which basically says this place is protected there's a neighborhood watch and that particular watch had seen a reduction in antisocial behavior purely since they'd put the signs up mm. so it is about showing mm. That a place is protected, and I've seen I've seen those signs even even you know where where I live I've seen them on the lampposts and and so on and it is comforting to know that, that friends and neighbours are actually rooting for you and so on. Yeah. So no doubt you 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 coughed up the money then, David. I coughed up the money for the signs. I coughed up the money, further money for a very good booklet which the neighbourhood watches are using across Dorset, um, which is called Stay Safe. And uh, I think I think one of the authors is here with us, actually. Is it not, Mr. Mr. Stern over there? So we have a celebrity with us this morning, and so I'm holding the book. So you you authored this little book. Why did you Why did you set about doing this? Do you know what? Because Bournemouth uh, Bournemouth BCP have um, a quarterly newsletter that goes out that reaches something like 150,000 households. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't have the same sort of circulation, but I, we could have that kind of circulation. I wanted to bring together all the information about vehicle theft, personal safety. There's any number of things in that book there, and I'd like you to keep that and refer to it because it will help you. Well, I'm just skimming through. You just handed me a copy of it and just skimming through. It's full of lots and lots of information, contact details. Yes, uh, it is. And, of course, things are, are actually happening crime-wise. Uh, uh, and so on what I would say to you if if I I could just interrupt you for a moment we have those available now I can distribute those or take those to people that request them Um, if if they want them for a group that they already have I'm more than happy to supply them if they want them to look at with a view to starting a group I can also meet them and talk to them about that and, and allay their fears about it being this onerous task so we want to develop it. One of the things we want to do with BCP and Jane Kelly at the moment um, is to develop and further develop uh, the Neighbourhood Watch Scheme or the Watch Scheme in Bournemouth and Christchurch. How many groups are there at present? I think there are about two or 300 in Dorset that we know of, but there are a lot out there that we, we don't know about. Um, but one of the things with the Freedom of Information Act, you, you, it's difficult to gather that information because you can't... I don't know. It would be nice if all those neighbourhood watches were on one one big sheet of paper that we, we could circulate information to them all the time and keep them updated. Um, but we're not allowed to do that. But 
if people, if the booklet that I gave you, anyway, it, it's a super book. It really is. It's full of relevant information. And if people wanted to get a copy of it if, right if now, if they wanted it, well, I suggest, well, they can contact me. But if they contacted you at the station, because yep. this, and then you could pass on my email. I'm more than happy to respond to that and meet with them and take it from there because we want to develop the Bournemouth Christchurch Watch. We want it to do that. There's a huge area, and we want to do that in conjunction with BCP. They, as I said, they have this newsletter that goes out, multi-page thing. We, we would like to be part of that so that BCP could be seen to be protecting their residents and we could be seen to be there as a backup. We just phone call away. Well, folks, if you want a copy of this very excellent book, the booklet that I've been handed, uh, packed full of information, just drop me a line. That's BlairC at HopeFM.com, and then I'll pass on uh, how you can get uh, a, a copy uh, of, of, of this. It's all about partnership, isn't it? And I guess that when you've mentioned very importantly about partnering with the council, and of course, David, I guess partnershiping with the police itself, I mean... I think Alison said that the police cannot do everything. The resources are just not there. And whilst we would like to have double the number of bobbies on the beat and so on, it's just not possible. But but there are other solutions, and this is one of them. And I know you're absolutely right. I mean, there there was... I was very interested when Tim mentioned earlier that he had been in the, in the States and the way that he saw the community uh, spirit there. Um, one of the really big sort of crime issues which happened in the late... 90s was about New York. Mm. Yeah, it was very famous. Zero tolerance. Well, you see, this is it. uh, Giuliani said zero tolerance. Now, that was a great political slogan, but what it actually meant was that they put back police into the community, something which I'm very keen that we're doing with the uplift, those new police officers which are coming. Um, uh, 44 out of the 50 in the first year will be going absolutely into the neighbourhoods. Um, but it was also about another thing. It was about investment and partnership by the local councils, which is exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. BCP want to do that. BCP, BCP now have a very clear view that there is also a safety role for the council to achieve. And then the third thing was about the people themselves. The people said, we've had enough of this. They stood up. They strengthened their communities. They'd have, they had things like watches. So to me, this, this, this model is very clear. We're all in it together. Mm. We said it earlier. It's everybody's responsibility to drive down crime. We all want to live in a very safe place. So I'm very, very clear that a close connection between the police and the local authority is key, but a close connection between the police and the people is also very key. And that's something that I've been driving since I've been in office. I'm glad to hear from Tim that it appears to be working yes, or starting to yeah. work. Yeah, slowly, slowly. Um, and uh, critically, I see a closer connection between watches and the neighbourhood policing teams. And, and let me give you a couple of examples where that can help. One example is around antisocial behaviour, which I know is a big issue um, for a lot of people across Dorset. In fact, it was one of the planks of why I stood for this job. But also the issue of drugs in our society and the exploitation of our vulnerable people, not just exploitation of children, but also exploitation of adults. And this very um, hideous thing where they kind of take over your home, this cuckooing. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, who's going to know that? Well, the neighbours are probably going to know that. They're probably going to see strange people hanging around. And, you know, being part of a neighbourhood watch, the neighbourhood watch can feed that back to the neighbourhood policing team. 
Um, we have Crime Stoppers, which is also an anonymous way of sending information back if you're worried about people finding out it's you. So it is all about this collective movement, if you like, from everybody in order to say we've had enough about crime in our area. This is Hope FM. Now today we've been uh, we've been t- focusing on all things uh, uh, crime and and policing, and in particular, watch. Some of you may know that more commonly as neighbourhood watch. And Alison, of course, you were saying that uh, that things as they were way back in the seventies, as to things that they are, they're very very different. They are um, back in the day. Um, you had to set up a committee, you had to collect subs, so you had to have a treasurer, you had to have... Um, so it was very onerous. Yes, whereas these days it's not. Um, the force, um, specifically, are, are just more interested in, in getting you going, um, and you, you can have a, one coordinator, and as Tim said earlier on, they filter the information down mm-hmm. through uh, to, their, to their membership. Um, we have a, a system within the force called Dorset Alert, um, and I would encourage everybody listening to actually sign up for it. It's very easy, www.dorsetalert.co.uk. And it's the Dorset Police's way of um, communicating problem areas, and it's specific to your area. So that that information will be sent to anybody who signed up um, if you're not signed up, it will go to the coordinator and then the coordinator can filter down the information that way. So I would encourage everybody to and sign up And of course, Tim talked about that. I mean, it's quite incredible, the growth, isn't it? Because you started with 20, didn't you, with half a street. And then, of course, then it was added to and now it's running into hundreds. And of course, he's not happy with that. And he's sort of now running all over, you know, oh. the uh, BCP trying to start up new groups and so on, you know. Yeah. And it's very true um, what the PCC said earlier on. Also, if you are a member of a watch scheme, you can get a 10% um, discount on your insurance. Um, so there are lots of benefits for it. So if you also go onto the ADW website or indeed the National Neighbourhood Watch website, it's full of full of information. Now, obviously, we've talked about partnership you know, uh, a wee while ago there. And, and are you effectively the liaison person on the police? So you, you're on the on police staff, you're a police officer. Effectively. So I'm the watch lead for yeah. the BCP area. So yes. your job is basically to, to be the, the primary link person between the police force and these various groups. Yes. So what's your plan for 2022? More of the same. Um, Dorset Police, I would say within the last two or three years, um, have realised how important the community is and the force are very, very keen to re-engage with the community on a um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I was part of the Citizens in Policing team, but I've actually recently moved from that to the actual neighbourhood policing team. So I am actually sitting within the force now, um, um, so I communicate very, very closely with the force, and um, yes. And if any, if anybody needs anything or they're interested in starting up a watch and they can't get hold of Tim, they're more than welcome to get hold of. Well, let's of just me. let's just talk about that. So somebody listened to us right now and said, you know, I would either like to be involved with, with something like this, or maybe even start a group in my street, my area, whatever. What's what's the steps that they should take in order to realise that that potential? Either go via Tim, the ADW yep. website, or they, they can come to, to me via the Dorset Police website. Um, and we don't want it to cost you anything. We don't want there to be any reason for you not to have a watch scheme. So as uh, the PCC was saying earlier on with the grant, uh, we actually 
give the signs away free of charge, whereas in the old days you'd have to pay £6 each. We, we give you all that um, free of charge. Literature, and as I say, more than happy to come and do a pop-up, which means um, um, come in with the flags and all the literature. Again, the Stay Safe booklet, which is it's the kind of booklet that you have next to your phone. It's, um, it's full of uh, valuable information. I, too, have a supply of them, so... If you can't get rid of, can't get rid of. <laughs> get hold, get hold of you, of Tim. <laughs> come to me. Well, uh, Alison, Tim, thank you so much for joining me. You'll, you mustn't be strangers on Hope FM now. You're your first time on the radio, but hopefully not. Thank not you be, very much uh, for inviting us along. And remember, if you want uh, that booklet that uh, Tim talked about, then just drop me a line. That's Blair C at HopeFM.com, and I'll put you in touch with how you can get uh, a, a copy of that. Now, our whole focus today has been on on crime, and I'm very delighted to welcome <laughs> officially again to the studio uh, Dorset's new uh, P- PCC or the Dorset Police and Crime Commissioner. Well, David, obviously you're not long into the post you know we took up the reins in in may what has it been like these 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 early months into the post oh blair good question i it's been it's been everything i expected it to be if i can put it that way it's been exciting um it's been particularly rewarding particularly uh, more recently because i'm beginning to see uh things beginning to change for the better um, it, it, it was one of those things that on May the 6th, you know, it, I was so honoured and privileged that the people at Dorset decided they'd give me the nod, so to speak. Um, I'm very pleased because it was, it was the largest ma- uh, majority for a, for a PCC that Dorset's had. So that was, that was fantastic. Um, but then you've got to do it. actually one of the things I I should ask you is why did you decide to do it in the first place because I mean I remember talking to you when you were a consultant in all things medical you know and and I was a counsellor absolutely and and the PCC role wasn't even on the agenda but then things changed didn't they well it did change it it changed for a number of reasons there was there was sort of three or four sort of things that happened in, in quick succession one was somebody tried to defraud me over the phone well, I've had um, that experience. Yeah, <laughs> I think many well, of us uh, have. Many yeah. people yeah. have, yeah. Um, but they were uh, they were stupid enough. To, in 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 my view, they were stupid enough to give me a little piece of information, which meant that the police might be able to do something about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I phoned up. And this is four years ago now. Uh, I phoned up, and I was on the phone for forty five minutes, and then the person on the end of the phone obviously could not give a stuff about what I was trying to tell them. Um, so that sort of started the key turning in my back, if that makes any sort of sense. Uh, the next thing was on my high street. I was in the co-op, and uh, there was only only me and my wife and the shop assistant in there and one other person. And the shop assistant was obviously quite anxious. And I said, what's the matter? And they said, well, that person always steals things. And I've got to try and stop him. And I said, well, look, don't worry. I'll, I'll scoot down the other aisle and I'll make certain that, you know, he can't get out without, you know, us talking fingers, to him. Yeah. 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 Um, but that was my high street. So that sort of went Right on your up. doorstep. Right on my doorstep. And it, 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 to, to my mind, it hadn't happened before. It may, it may have happened before, obviously. But um, it was my first sort of uh, experience of that. Then every time I opened the Echo... Um, and it didn't matter whether it was the Dorset Echo or the or the in the Bournemouth Echo. Um, I'd see something about antisocial behaviour, 
and some of it was really quite nasty. There was an incident I remember, I think it was Canford Heath, where a bus was taken over by teenagers. And it's actually a member of the public um, who basically intervened and, and, and addressed it. But it was like every week there'd be something about antisocial behaviour. And yet I didn't hear a solution. I didn't hear um, that this was a priority for anybody in order to address it. Um, so when, when I started getting really interested, I started doing research and looking at the numbers for antisocial behaviour across the country. And then I found that we had the second worst rate in the south of England outside um, London. And it was like, well, hang on a minute. If we've got this, and actually it had been like that for a very long time, why isn't anybody doing anything about it? Um, and then there was the idea of merging the police force, the Dorset police force with Devon and Cornwall. Which was very much on the cards for, for quite a while, wasn't it? As a possibility. It was, absolutely. Um, but again, I asked, I asked questions. You know, my business background, I asked 30 businessy type questions. Um, and I couldn't get the answers. And actually, when you had the numbers actually came out uh, around the business case, um, there was very little, if any, economic benefit. Now, we were told it wasn't about the money. Well, what was it about then? Because if you can't answer the 30 questions, which were questions from the point of view of a resident, you know, why were you doing this? So, and, and, and the one which tipped me over the edge was there was a uh, situation where um, there was an article in the Echo about just before the summer saying, we can't keep you safe this summer because we haven't got any money because the government's taken it all away. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the basic tenant of that. At the same time, another police force elsewhere in Chichester had an article which said, it's tough, we've had to make cuts, everybody knows that, but this is the way we're going to keep you safe this summer. And I saw a, a, a different difference in leadership. Um and all those things sort of started making me a little bit grumpy. And usually when I get a bit grumpy, I start talking to people and saying, look, why is it like this? And my wife said, stop whinging. Um, she's from Yorkshire. She's quite direct. She said to me, stop whinging and uh, do something about it. And so I spent, uh, I, I closed the company because we were in a position that I could um, and follow this dream, so to speak. And uh, I went out with other police forces, other PCCs. I understood what the job was about. Well, you say that. I mean, you had a couple of years of hard work and research and trudging around the country, talking to other PCCs and so on. Uh, I mean, that must have that must have both encouraged you, but also scared the pants off you because of the sheer size of the job. It, 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 well, you needed to do it. You absolutely needed to do it because there is also a thing that hardly anybody understands what the job's actually about we, uh, we I say we I mean the apparatus the government who put it in place in, place, in the yeah. first place um, and even since we are not good at saying what we do and of course you, the, the role is sort of like a middle role isn't it because you're, you're not responsible for you know the day, the day to day policing you are responsible for holding the police to account and being like a sort of a, a middle person between both the police and, and of course the general public Hard role to fill, isn't it? Well, you're absolutely right. And that, that was the clear thing that, that came across to me when I did my research. And when I, when I talked to the people at Dorset and asked what they wanted, it was very clear that this was about representing the people's views. The core thing 
um, the core way that you hold the police to account is by something called the Police and Crime Plan, which the Chief which Constable you, Which you've just been working on. Exactly. Yeah. Which the Chief Constable has to um, uh, pay attention to, basically. Um, but that Police and Crime Plan shouldn't spring fully formed from a candidate's head. It should be, actually, you talk to the people at Dorset. And I was very clear that's what I needed to do. That's why I did over 50 face-to-face meetings before COVID, talking to audiences from six to 200. I did three surveys, um, the first ever business survey done in Dorset, to understand what the people wanted. So when I came forward with the uh, manifesto, if you like, you know, the promises I made to the people, they were based on what the people said they wanted. You spent pretty much two years asking the people, three years, asking the people what, what they want. And of course, one of the, well, the two things you had to do, you had to do your 100-day plan, what you wanted to achieve in the first 100 days in office, and then, of course, move to produce the police and crime plan, which is in position for how, how long? Is it a three-year plan? No, actually. Um, it's a seven-year plan uh, with an eight-year handover. Um, so what was very clear to me was if you stand on a certain platform, if you say to the people, I'm going to do this, then when you get into office, you've got to have the same platform going forward. So my vision very clearly was to make Dorset the safest county. We're a safe county anyway, in many ways. We compared have, to other places. Compared to other places. We, yeah. we, let me, uh, knife crime, for example, we've got, a, we've got about 280 to 300 on average, which occur every year, knife offences. If you look at London, you're looking at 13,000, 14,000. So, you know, we, we have a relatively safe, safe area, but I want it to be safer. I want those things which also matter to people very clear to be addressed, like antisocial behaviour, etc., um, so we've got to uh, make certain that we keep the focus on not having like, knife offences, not having murders, making certain that we attack the high harms like drugs, etc. But at the same time, we've got to do the quality of life stuff as well. And it's getting that balance right now. So when I came in, it was very clear that in the first 100 days, there needed something to happen. And there was a pressing need. Um, May the 6th was the election. We were in lockdown, if you remember. It was highly likely we were going to come out of lockdown at some stage in the sort of July time, which is exactly what happened. But I was also very aware of what happened in, in the previous summer when there had been, you know, basically fights on the beaches, a major incident had to be declared, etc., etc. We had to get the antisocial behaviour. We had to get that aspect right from the get-go. Um, and so my first priority was to um, very clearly cut crime and antisocial behaviour. That was in the 100-day plan uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and I challenged the force on the second week about what are we going to do about this. And they responded um, with something called Operation Relentless. And that now is their mechanism. So they have a priority around antisocial behaviour. And there'll be various other operations underneath Operation Relentless but it's all focused on making certain that we get that piece right. And, of course, another very important part of the jigsaw puzzle was the need to appoint a new chief constable. That came a little bit out of the blue, didn't it? 
It was a little bit out of the blue, but every candidate had been told by James Vaughan, the outgoing chief constable, who I have to uh, say here was a, a superb chief constable for the people at Dorset. Um, but he came to me and said, look, um, I will be retiring. I'll see you through your first part of your tenure if it's you. Um, and he said that to all the candidates. And um, in the second week, I think it was, he said to me, look, I said I'd see you through the first part of the policing crime plan. Um, I've bought a camper. <laughs> I'd really like to go in October. Um, so basically, you know, we then had to find a chief constable. And of course, the relationship between you and the chief constable is a very critical one, isn't it? It is. It's got to be a highly professional. You can't be either too cosy with your chief constable. Because you're holding him to account. Correct. But you also can't be at daggers drawn either. Because you've got to work together to make things work <laughs> and, and be practical about it. Exactly. And, and, and that's one of the things. You know, people, people do know a bit about the PCC role. You know, they know that you can, in theory, hire and fire a chief constable. But actually, you've lost the plot if you get to that stage. Um, the key way of uh, working professionally is to have uh, the policing crime plan and that being agreed between you from the point of view of making it work. And uh, I was very clear that that was one of the things that we needed to get done. Um, so we're looking for a chief constable. I'm looking for a number of things. I'm looking for somebody who has experience of different forces because then they'll bring different ideas. Um, I'm looking for somebody who understands the spectrum of policing. They haven't just been a detective. They haven't just been in the neighbourhood teams. They ha they, you know, they, they've worked their way up and they have completely eaten the pie because, again, I want that experience to be leveraged for Dorset. I want somebody who understands diversity. And what I'm talking about there is not just the diversity of the protected characteristics, though that is extremely important. I'm talking about somebody who understands that it is about the residents. It is about serving the needs of the farmers. It's about serving needs of businesses. It's about serving the needs of the different residents, whether you're in the urban area or whether you're in the rural area. Uh, and then I wanted somebody who um, basically could deliver on the plan. Um, so I'm very pleased that I've got a new chief constable. Um, the way this has worked is that I did the 100-day plan. That was to deliver 50 things, which it did. Then the policing crime plan is meant to happen within the first year. So I was very pleased that we delivered that after six months, the end of October. The plan is clear. It speaks in complete clarity about what we need to achieve. It also has an ambition because, as I said, it's for effectively two terms. That's not arrogance on my part. That is about the needs of the business. From the point of view, there are some things that we can address quickly, but there is also some things which will take longer. But the clarity of the plan needs to be carried through with consistency um, for that seven years. And uh, I've only got three years for the first term. 
25% less than any PCC's ever had. <laughs> so um, I'm running at it, basically, Blair. That's the only way that yeah. we, can, we can get this done. So what we've now got is we've had the 100-day plan. We've got the police and crime plan out there. The next, plea, the next piece is for the chief constable to respond to that with his priorities for the force operationally. And that is now happening across the next month. So I'm very clear that we're now in a position that it is all about delivery for the people. This is Hope FM. Uh, Well, my very special guest today is David Sidwick. And of course, we're talking about all things police and crime. We talked about the appointment of the new uh, Chief Constable, Scott Chilton. And we're talking particularly about the development of the police and crime plan. Now, David, you you spent ages talking to the world and his cat. You you, you consulted very, very widely. The Chief Constable, of course, included in that, but other groups as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, So I consulted with residents as a candidate. But the police and crime plan itself, um, we asked other people to consult on. So the, uh, the police and crime panel, which uh, basically holds me to account, scrutinises my decisions, um, they would have been consulted and had input into it. Um, but we, we went wider than that. Um, obviously, the chief constable consults on it because there's no point me saying I'm going to put 50,000 officers on the streets, which is completely impractical. <laughs> um, it has to have a, a practical basis. Um, and I guess budgetary you know, considerations as well. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, we have to agree. We have to agree all that. Although I own the money, you know, we have to. We have to agree. You know, if if I had, if I had a thing that I wanted to put fifteen marine boats in the harbour, that would cost an awful lot of money, and something else would have to give. So it is. A, you know, that's not up to me to decide. It's about what is operationally necessary in order to achieve the priorities of the plan. And of course, it highlights the real need for you to have a, a working, functional relationship with the Chief Constable. Correct. Correct. So for each of these priorities, it, it, it would be, these are the priorities. How will we address it? So what are, what are those priorities? So very clearly, the first one is about cutting crime and antisocial behaviour. I'm a great believer that we say what we mean. Um, and and that's what we that's what we need to do. That's what the people at Dorset said to me when I did the surveys. They said, particularly antisocial behaviour is top of the list. To give you an idea. Um, in a year, there's something like forty eight thousand crimes. So there's something like twenty thousand odd instances of ASB. So it's a, and this is the stuff which is reported to the Home Office by the police. So it's it's quite a significant amount. Um, to do that, we needed the priority sorted. I talked about that earlier under the 100 days. Yep. Um, from my point of view, with the money that I have, uh, my commissioning money, I wanted to do something about it as well. So I, I had a an Operation Relentless community fund, which we ran across the summer, where charities and groups could basically apply for between 100 and £5,000 in order to address antisocial behaviour in their area. Um, and we had uh, 20 applications for that, and those have been worked through, and people will be getting grants. Not everybody, because not everybody um, basically put forward a grant which we could work with, um, or was directly applicable to antisocial behaviour, if I can put it that way. Mm. Um, We've got other things that we want to do in that area going forward. Um, Fraud is something that uh, I care about a lot. Um, Having experienced it. Having experienced it. Uh, we need to basically upweight our 
the police fraud um, department, um, which is going to happen. But we also need to get as much prevention out there as possible. Uh, We're never going to have, as a regional UK force, we are never going to have the capability to go after somebody who scams you on your computer from the far ends Mm. of the earth. Um, But what we can do is we can do more about making people aware both residents and businesses. And that's about really, the type of really important, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the awareness and, and hard to handle the bogus caller, yeah. which we all get. Which absolutely we all get. So, yeah, we're doing some work on that. And uh, I have a project at the moment which we're looking at about how we increase the number of uh, people out there delivering, particularly to the elderly and the vulnerable, information about, um, about fraud and how to avoid it. But you heard earlier from the Neighbourhood Watches that is a key part of what they do, is talk to people about that. So that's part priority one for now, um, because I want to get through all of them. Priority two is something which everybody spoke to me about. They wanted to see more police officers. They wanted to have a better connectivity. They wanted to feel the officers were more in their community um, than they were before. Now, part of that is resource. We know that we're getting extra police officers. I've been very clear from day one that that uplift, the majority of that has to go into the neighbourhood, has to go into the community. Because that's what people were shouting about, wasn't it? They wanted to see more bobbies on the beat. Yeah, so there's a number of things here. One is the numbers, which we're moving forward to address, and we will be over the next couple of years as well. Uh, The second thing is what they're doing. So there is now very much a greater priority about engagement with the community. Again, you heard from the neighbourhood watch people. They're seeing that more, more connection with them. So that's occurring. But we have to get better at other things. I know that people have issues about how they report to the police. Um, Part of that is what we say. What uh, the police say has to be consistent. It has to be uh, consistent all the time uh, so that people understand that there is a, a thing called Ask Ned, which is a website, which is about non, it's a non-emergency directory. And it is about those things where you may not need a policeman. I mean, one of the things which basically causes high demand for the police are those calls, which actually isn't really policing. As an example, somebody called 999 to say they had an emergency. The emergency was they were locked out of their flat. <laughs> That's not a police call that you need a locksmith. Yeah. <laughs> so it's those issues that we need to address. Then you've got, um, if you're reporting a crime, and we want people to report crimes, and we want people to report information they have about what they think is suspicious, because that builds a picture. And intelligence, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So uh, you can report online, you can email 101, or you can phone 101. And then you've got, for an emergency, you've got 999, an emergency is threat to life, so it's threat to life or injury. It is um, a crime in action or an offender still there. So if people wanted to, to, to really know what the best way to respond to policing, and you've, you've outlined some of those things there, is the web, where, where are the, where's the best place that with all this information is gathered that people can educate themselves on how the system works? And perhaps what's possible and what, more importantly, what's not possible? Because people's expectations sometimes can lead them into all sorts of confusion. Well, it's also about getting the right agency for the right job. Uh, we, 
the Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner did a survey just before I came into office um, about uh, antisocial behaviour. And they asked people who they thought they should report to. For example, noise. And noise actually is a council. But 50% would phone the police. And then you've got aggressive begging. And it was exactly 50-50 again. And that's within the police's purview. So um, we need to get better at communicating um, with our partners about what goes where. And we need to be more consistent about it. And it but also takes away from frustration, doesn't it? Because I think a lot of people get so... Well, they get angry and frustrated, don't they? Because I phoned that number and nothing happened, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the other point, Blair, is we've got to look at the engagement. And I've already had significant meetings um, between my office and the police in order to talk about this. And I know that the new chief has this as one of his top priorities, is to look at how the engagement improves. Um, So that's also about reporting, making it easier, making it more efficient. Um, It is also about reporting back. You know, I I, I come from a business background, so the phrase I tend to use is customer service. So we're looking at how we can improve that so that when you have something happens to you, that you get an update. Yeah. And how that is done and the most efficient way that is done is are some of the things we're unpicking as we go forward. Now, rural crime, because obviously you know, when you think of here we are sat in, in Bournemouth and BCP, but of course a large part of, of Dorset is, is the rural area, something, of course, that you experienced in your pre-election days. Yeah, absolutely. So the rural area, it's really interesting because you've got rural crimes which only affect the rural area. You don't get much hair coursing in Boscombe. But you have crimes like that. You have um, farm theft, you have hair coursing, you have all those sorts of issues which occur. And uh, a lot of crime in the rural area is underreported. But there's also a sense, there is a feeling of isolation. Um, if, if we think that the visibility of the police is an issue, then it's even more an issue if you're quite isolated in the rural communities. And that was something which, which was highlighted to me by a friend in Scotland who used to um, be the chief inspector for the area around Dundee, the market towns and villages. And when the merger happened in Scotland and everything was piled together, um, not only did the money go to the cities... But also there was a philosophical change. If he had something kick off in the centre of a market town, he could not get somebody to come because a bar fight in the centre of Glasgow would always trump it. Mm. And he said said to me, the point they didn't get is that it's not just that thing. It's not just that bus shelter being kicked over by a couple of idiots. It is the effect that has on the community. Because it is much, much more close-knit. It is much more, um, they feel the fear of that reaching their community. Um, and, and that, to me, is very clear. That is that there's not only the underreporting of crime, there is not only the different sorts of crime, but there's also the fear of crime in the rural communities. And we had a token gesture towards it with a rural crime team who were utterly superb, but there was only two of them. So understaffed, really, for the yeah, compared exactly, to the need, yeah, exactly. So that's something which I'm very clear we will be doing. Um, I have a commitment from the chief constable. We will be significantly increasing the rural crime team, and I'll be bringing more 
specific news about that, I hope, in the next few months. Now, now that the, 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 the plan is beginning to emerge and you've had a lot of consultation, are you happy with the response? This I mean, clearly, you have an operational plan there. The challenge now is to make it all work. I'm, I'm happy we're going in the right direction. I'm happy we've got the right priorities because they were actually, it's actually the people's plan, Blair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, isn't, this isn't my plan. This is what I asked people what they wanted. I'm clear that's right. It is now about the operational delivery. I have, uh, I believe, a chief constable who will deliver this plan and is on board in order to do so. Uh, I believe he's also got the skills necessary in order to basically change the culture um, one of the things I said very clearly was um, I want Dorset Police to be crime fighters again. bit controversial. Why did I say that? I said that for a number of reasons. The previous plan didn't talk about cutting crime. This one does. Um, I saw a lot of bureaucracy as a candidate, and we're trying to cut that because I'd rather have the police not form-filling. I'd rather have them out catching catching the people causing us pain in our communities. And obviously with COVID, they've been doing other things which we never expected them to do. One of the things that I care passionately about is the issue around drugs in our society. And the reason I do is because it drives a lot of the high harm. Uh, it, it, drives, it drives half of our theft. Um, it drives a significant amount of the violence. Um, and I'm very clear that we need to be cleverer at what we do about this. We can't lock everybody up, whoever takes a drug. It just doesn't work. But we need tough enforcement. We need tough enforcement on the dealers. We need tough enforcement of those who take drugs and makes every, make everybody's life a misery around them. Mm. Um, but we need, we need to do other things. We need effective rehabilitation. Um, my work as joint lead of the portfolio on addiction and substance misuse, that's our next big project, is to talk about what does effective rehabilitation look like and to make certain that we invest in what works and we disinvest in what doesn't work. Doesn't work, work yeah. yeah. Um, and also connected with that is impactful education. We don't make enough noise about recreational drugs. Um, we don't make enough noise to our young in the context and the way that we should do. We should talk about the risks. And that's a whole other program, Blair. But basically, the risks now are coming to the fore, and we're understanding them in a way that we never did before. And uh, it is quite literally scary. Mm -hmm. So we, we need to talk in terms of risk rather than punishment to our young. Um in that priority, there is also things like domestic abuse, stalking, things which, again, I made a difference in the first 100 days. Um, I put in an independent stalking advisor to make certain that we continue to support victims of stalking. Um, I uh, held the force to account on their use of stalking protection orders. These are new orders which came into being um, not so very long ago. Um, but they're specifically for stalking. Sure. A lot of the work that can be done, you can do through domestic abuse protection orders. Um, but for those who are stalked by strangers, stalking protection orders is, is one of the tools which needs to be used. Well, we've almost run out of time, but there, there is a rumour that you're setting up a new office. Well, I'm very clear that the last priority is make every penny count for Dorset. Yes, we are 
um, putting in place a new office. Um, it is we talked to the press a little while ago about this. It is not just about a new office. The new office is required because the Winfrith HQ was built in the, I think it was the 60s or 70s. It costs more in upkeep than it would to build a new office. That's the fundamental issue. And if I'm going to really make certain that I deliver for the people at the Dorset, I want the most cost-effective building that we need. We've got two other things, though. We want to get closer to the community. So we want to look at our whole police estate. This isn't just about the office. It's a whole estate review to see where we can bring back front offices, where we can look at police stations and make certain they don't have leaky roofs, to use them in a better place. But at this moment in time, I've got to ask the people of Dorset also uh, for an extra £10. For the precept. For the precept. And the reason, Blair, is, is I, I don't want to do it. Um, but the reason is we are, uh, out of 41 forces, we uh, get the least national grant. We are 40th. Um, so about half of our money comes from the government. We get, we're 40 out of 41 for that amount. So I've got to raise the rest of it with precept and I can do that with that extra 10 pounds that allows me to do everything that we need to do plus deliver on those priorities well David thank you so much for being my guest we haven't been able to cover everything today but no doubt you can come back and we'll dig deeper into some of the many things that that that, that you've said any final word before we play uh, Nelson's blood from fishermen's friends yeah the last thing is um, I'd really like people to engage with this precept and the survey is on my website so please have a look at it and give me your views fantastic David thank you so much and Nelson's blood why this one why this one I like sea shanties <laughs> occasionally I sing <laughs> well we can all sing along to this and it's goodbye from David and of course goodbye from me I'll see you same time same place next week bye bye thanks Blair <laughs>